Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Sam Daly-Harris, founder and principal at Civic Courage, joins us today to discuss his work. He also founded Results, the organization that fights on behalf of those living in poverty around the world, advocating with senators and representatives for funding. He'll also teach us how to master his superpower, confidence in collective action. Well, Sam, uh, thank you so much for joining me uh, to continue our discussion about uh, being in on the joke and your confidence in collective action. Uh, It it really is uh, an interesting way to think about um, the the work that you do and an interesting, unique superpower. So I want to talk more about it, but um, let's start, if you would, Sam, by telling, tell us how you developed that confidence. Where did that come from? Uh, you know, we, we've talked other times before, and uh, I've talked about my story of self and a professor at Harvard, Marshall Gans, developed it. What happened in your life? And what decisions did you make that pointed you in the direction? Let's call it to this confidence. Uh, I would also call, call it to purpose. I, I, I've been coaching people for decades, but I have a coach. And I talk every Friday with my coach. And we were talking about this ballpark of topic. And he said something like, um, most people, when they launch into life, they they want to make a living and they want a good name. But it's not necessarily purpose-driven or mission-driven, uh, that kind of thing. And it's, it's another interesting like glimpse of this all question. And so when I, and I'm going to tell my story of self in a moment, but it's a, uh, it's like a 13 year story kind of right up to the first level of confidence. And then there's stories after that, that are next levels of confidence. Uh, So let me see if I can tell it quite briefly, but Uh, My degrees are in music. I mean, if you wanted to hire an organizer and a coach, you might not hire a musician. Uh, But anyway, my degrees are in music. And yet in 1980, I founded the anti-poverty lobby results. And I'm often asked, well, what was the connection? Music, poverty lobby. And when I look back in my life, and I'll tell the shorthand version at college graduation in 64, I learned that a friend a year younger had died the day before, and I started asking the why am I here, what am I here to do, what's my purpose questions. And four years later in 1968, college graduation, Robert Kennedy was assassinated right around those years. Another reason in my world to ask the what is this life, what is this death, why am I here, what am I here to do? I don't want to say the confidence is there or even the purpose. The question is there. And it's now nine years later and it's 77. And I'm invited to a presentation on ending world hunger, which I go to thinking hunger's inevitable. Um, I mean, it has to be. I mean, there are no solutions, I would think. Right, right. I'm a musician. 
because if there were solutions, somebody would have done something by now. And I go to this thing and you could say I gained confidence because I gained insight. And well, there's no mystery to growing food or clean water or basic health. Uh, I'm not hopeless about a perceived lack of solutions. I'm hopeless about human nature that people will just never get around to doing the things that can be done. And so I start getting involved in a big way. I had kind of this pent up readiness. Uh, and I started to speak to high school students. I'll end the story, but then I'm going to go back into the story. I spoke to 7,000 high school students, classroom by classroom, and asked them, because I'd read some statements calling for the political will to end hunger, what's the name of your member of Congress? And fewer than 3% could answer correctly. And just over 97% could not. And results started out of this gap. But let me go backwards a step. You asked about confidence. Well, speaking to 7,000 high school students, classroom by classroom by classroom, builds a certain kind of confidence. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I haven't told this in a long time. I would teach, I was a high school teacher on a break from summer schools, uh, speaking at summer schools. And I would go to the front of the room and I would put the name of one of my aunts uh, on the board. And then next to that, I would put the NAS, the National Academy of Sciences. And I, I would say, like, I talked to my aunt recently and she said, hunger can't be ended. But the National Academy of Sciences says it could be. So I'm trying to get everyone who's lined up before, behind my aunt moved over and lined up behind the National Academy of Sciences. Well, the bottom line is um, repetition, speaking, answering questions, etc., was a, a kind of foundation that built a certain level of confidence. Results hasn't started yet, but there's a, a kind of a, a, a place where it yeah. sit, sat and came from. Now, let's be sure, before we go any farther, tell people about results so that they can put your references to results in context. I know what it is, but what? tell everybody else. Uh, well, um, let me let me just tell the, a little bit of the story how okay, it okay. came about. So uh, I moved to Los Angeles in 1980 to pursue songwriting. It's a longer story, but I'm a substitute teacher to pay the bills. And um, I'm uh, working on an end hunger event, the Los Angeles World Hunger Event. And I meet a couple afterward who said, we're very inspired but we're frustrated. We don't know what to do. And I said, well, when I lived in Miami six months earlier, I was in a, a hunger project group that met every week. And once a month, we ended the meeting early and we opened the newsletter from Bread for the World. And we wrote letters to our members of Congress. And they said, well, let's do that at our house. And so I went to their house that we led, maybe there were nine or 12 people there and we wrote letters and another friend said, I can't make it that night. Can we do it at my house next week? And before you knew it, within a month or so, I was driving to six locations all around Los Angeles. 
leading these meetings. So that's how it started. But what is it? It's it's basically a citizen advocacy group that really empowers citizens to uh, use their voices, to speak more powerfully, to meet with members of Congress, to meet with the media, to write letters to the editor, uh, to be effective that way. I'm going to tell you one more story. Uh, the first meeting we ever had with a member of Congress, uh, his name was Dan Lundgren. He later went on to be uh, Lieutenant Governor of California. And we were in this house in uh, um, Seal Beach, California. I don't know if there were 20 of us. And we showed the congressman a video, a John Denver video, 49 minutes long, called I Want to Live. Very moving. The video ends. The congressman gets up and he speaks in very halting, like, I've never seen this before. I don't know quite what to say, that kind of thing. And the first question, yeah, Congressman, do you get many letters on world hunger? Congressman looks at the ceiling, thinks about, thinks for a moment, looks back at us, says, there's this Methodist minister in Long Beach. That was the answer to his question. Do you get many letters on world hunger? His answer was, there's this Methodist minister in Long Beach, which is another glimpse into, well, what does results do? Well, yeah. expand out that there's only this Methodist minister in Long Beach. There are more and more and more and more people. Yeah. It, well, that is inspiring. And so as you think about how, again, looking at this confidence in collective action, in essence, you know from your experience as you get further along in your work with results that actually this collective action works. You know it does. Yeah. yeah. How does that knowledge, how does that confidence change and affect your work at results and CCL and, and subsequent work? Yeah. Well, let me give you another glimpse first of where it comes from. And this is a quote from inventor and futurist Buckminster Fuller, who said the things to do are the things that need doing, that you see need to be done, and that no one else seems to see needs to be done. Well, when I asked 7,000 high school students the name of the member of Congress, because the National Academy of Sciences said it was what was missing, and hardly anyone could tell me, there was something I saw needed to be done that nobody else seemed to see needed to be done at that moment. I mean, maybe many did, but I didn't know them if they did. And so it's just another glimpse. Now, do you remember your question? I think that was an important little piece of it. But um, can you restate the last bit of what you're asking? Yeah, so how... What happened? How, yeah, how does the... That knowledge, that confidence, that collective action will actually work. How did that impact your work at results? I mean, sort of once you proved this sort of stuff works, what happened at CCL and what happened at results? I, I keep using CCL, the, the, uh, uh, the uh, climate, uh, citizens, citizens climate, climate lobby. lobby sorry. Yeah. Uh, 
another organization that you started. So you've, you've started these two big grassroots organizations, plus other work you've done around other topics, helping other people. But how did that knowledge, that yeah. confidence that uh, collective action would work impact the subsequent work you did for results and what you've done at CCL? Yeah, well, let me say uh, let me say a couple of things. Um, first, of all, I didn't start CCL. I coached the founder Marshall Saunders, uh, who started it, uh, and I was his coach basically. Um, the thing that I want to lift up in my answer is the thing around like I can do a thing, meet with my member of Congress, and see that it matters. But if I just keep doing that and I don't reach out to others, it's not going to be that useful. If I'm coaching another group, American Promise, working to get money out of politics, uh, which is something you might know a little bit about. but Mm -hmm. um, And they have uh, five trainings and ongoing teams, and one is on friend banking. If an organization isn't doing its own version of friend banking, it doesn't matter. Meaning if I notice that collective action works, but I don't collect more actors, then it's really not not valuable because it's it keeps missing the expanding the pie, expanding the the people engaged uh, piece, and um, that is uh, central. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you another very quick story. I wish I could show the video of Marshall Saunders telling 600 CCL volunteers about his first ever me- meeting with a member of Congress 13 years earlier. And he talks about uh, uh, he didn't know where to put his legs. So should he cross them at the knees? And then, he, okay, where should I put my hands? I had in my laps like, a, no, that schoolboy. Oh, here, I'll put him on my, here. and I, oh, I think it's going to be my turn soon. Oh, let me go through my talk in my head one more time. I couldn't remember what my talk was. And I said, he said, I don't know if you've ever seen this. He said, Lord, if you'll just give me the first two words, I'll take it from there. And then he says, the Lord did not respond. (laughs) But then the group leader said, and now Marshall is going to talk about the microcredit bill in the house. Oh, yeah. Well, the point is Marshall was so terrified about his first meeting with a member of Congress in 1994, and yet in 2007, he found Citizens Climate Lobby, and let me say 10 years later, they're meeting with 1,800 members of Congress or their staff a year, starting from terrified. Now, there's your confidence. Sure. Like from, well, I asked him to co-sponsor the microcredit bill, he said, call back in a few days, and I did. And every time he would co-sponsor, I just had to remember to call him up and remind him, well, that was his confidence. But starting with, what do I put my legs? Where should I put my hands? I don't know what my talk was about. So it's there's another piece in, in my book, Reclaiming Our Democracy, healing the break between people and government, there's a drawing, uh, one little circle that's just titled your comfort zone. And next to it is a gigantic circle 
titled Where the Magic Happens. And the confidence starts coming when you find an organization that helps encourage you, helps coach you out of your comfort zone. They don't kick you out of your, no, they help encourage you out of your comfort zone over to where the magic happens. That's, that's the confidence builder. Um, I'm going to tell you one other story that's in the confidence builder. Um, I could read it from the book, but oversimplified. I was a substitute teacher in the LA schools organizing a, a World Food Day candidate forum on world hunger in 82. And Cameron Duncan was assistant to the window designer at Bendel's department store in New York City, organizing a candidate forum on world hunger, World Food Day in New York City. And I say in the book, we sat on the phone together, holding each other's hands uh, and ans answering the question, who are we to organize candidate forums in the two largest cities in the United States, LA and New York City? And it's a long story. And we do this thing. And um, I'm inter being interviewed by an LA Times writer. And I'm telling her that, well, you know, a lot of TV stations, which were doing editorials back then said, hunger's not a state or a local issue kind of thing. And she was shocked when she heard it. And she said, did you call the LA Times editorial board? I said, I did. They wouldn't call us back. Oh, who'd you call? I told her. She said, no, call Kay Mills, the only woman on the editorial board. So I do. And I tell them this in the book, I say, I go on a break into the payphone booth. Do you remember payphones? <laughs> in uh, a junior high school in Hollywood, California. And I put my date book and my uh, kind of the, the school book on the ledge. And I call her up and she says, well, we don't do editorials on days, World Food Day or Labor Day. Let's pick an issue and do one. And we did. And they published the editorial. Uh, and I say, not only has the LA Times written this editorial, but they've made 1 million copies of it. And they've delivered it for us too. How marvelous. I realized that I had the right training to make a difference. Music. I realized that I had the right job to make a difference. Substitute teacher. I realized I had the right bank account to make a difference. Nearly zero. I realized making a difference wasn't a function of any of these. It was a function of persistence and commitment. Um, and so that's another example of where's the confidence coming from. It comes from moving out of your comfort zone and, uh, you know, you end up into one of these where the magic happens territories. And the last bit, though, is you can't join any organization and get that encouragement. Every organization isn't giving that support, isn't giving that confidence boost. So that's the other trick. So what are the results of results and CCL that you're most proud of as you look back now on a career of doing this? Yeah. Well, let me just give a couple of examples because results 41 years old. Uh, I'll give two for there. For there. 
Um, when we started lobbying in 1983, uh, 84, on child survival, UNICEF, the UN Children's Fund, was reporting that 41,000 children around the world in 1984 were dying every day from preventable things. Measles coupled with malnutrition, dehydration brought on by diarrhea, and results volunteers lobbied every year. Just for the first few months, January, February, March, every year, 87, 88, 92, 93, 2002, every year. And the latest report that I have from UNICEF is that it's gone from 41,000 a day to 14,500 a day. Now, that's still scandalously high, but tens of thousands of lives are being saved uh, every year. And there are many more uh, every children day, that sorry. age. And there are uh, many more children oh, yes. that age now, No, absolutely. Too. Absolutely. Many, many more. And actually, knowing that your kids will survive is one of the preconditions to reduce family size. My grandfather was one of 12 children. 11, one passed away early. My mother was one of, well, seven daughters, but one passed away in infancy. I'm one of three. I have two myself. So it was 12, six, three, two. And it was also partly a function of my parents, my grandparents, etc., cetera, uh, knowing that their children would live, that birth uh, rates and si family sizes could go down. Let me give you one more there. I was just looking it up uh, the other day. Uh, the Global Fund to Fight AIDS, Tuberculosis, and Malaria was started in 2002. And over all the, those years from 2002, which is 19 years, um, the number of lives saved because of the Global Fund and its partners is 38 million lives. That's, that's big time. Just from that yeah. one uh, sphere and group of programs. So when I do my regular talk, I have three main messages, and I'm just going to tell you the first one. You can make a profound difference on big issues with your voice as a citizen. That's the first message. And I say 41,000 a day to 14,500 is a profound difference on a big issue. Now, there's more to go. Kind of, I say 38 million lives since 2002 uh, saved who would have died from AIDS uh uh, is a big deal kind of thing. And so, um, uh, yeah. 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 A yeah. huge, huge impact. But CCL also had well, an impact, know, Let me right? tell you the second main message, because it gets to your confidence question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Versus you can make a profound difference on big issues with your voice as a citizen. The second message is you probably haven't because of your power, sense of powerlessness and resignation. That's the not confidence because of your sense of powerlessness and resignation about politics, especially federal politics. Um, and the third is if you find an organization that's committed to dissolving the powerlessness, that's committing to giving you the confidence, you can make that profound difference on big issues. So now the CCL piece. Um, I was talking to the head of organizing for a very big group like Hair Save the Children, Oxfam, and he said to me some years ago, 
we can't let our volunteers write letters to the editor or op-eds because they'll get it wrong and misrepresent the organization. It's like this on confidence. We're not going to give them any confidence because if you even tried, they would get it wrong and misrepresent the organization. Well, CCL volunteers the last few years have 4,300 letters to the editor, op-eds, and editorials published. One group says they'll get it wrong and misrepresent. CCL saying, well, what do we have to do to help them get it right? And give that to them. Give the training and confidence to them. And the net result is thousands of letters, op-eds, and editorials. Um, uh, you know, CCL has a heavy lift. I mean, they're, they're going for the whole enchilada with their legislation. They're not doing child survival over here and basic ed over here and microcredit over there. And they're doing the carbon fee and dividend, the st steadily rising fee on carbon refunded to the public. And uh, it's a challenge, and they're going for it. Uh, I mean, I, I think the, the, the thing that was most inspiring to me is that when Donald Trump was elected, there had been 10 Republicans and 10 Democrats on a House Climate Solutions Caucus. And when he was elected, it went to six and six because four Republicans had either retired or lost their seat. Over the next two years, uh, let me think. 34 more Republicans and 34 more Democrats joined, so it was sitting at 40 and 40 on the House Climate Solutions Caucus. Now, it's only a caucus, so I don't want to make a big deal of it, but a few years before that, you typically couldn't get one Republican to put their name on anything that had climate in the title. And so, you know, there's a lot of confidence building you know, when people can get 40 of their Republican members of Congress, this is several years ago, uh, to join a House Climate Solutions Caucus. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's brilliant. It, it is amazing the progress you're making. And uh, it grows out of knowing that this stuff works, uh, yeah. that confidence. So it, it goes out of being in on the joke that joke that you can't make a difference. No, no, you can make a difference. And then getting into a structure of support that will boost your confidence, boost your training, uh, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's, let's go back. If you were giving someone advice on trying to develop this muscle, this confidence uh, to, to be in on the joke, uh, what would you tell people to do? I would tell them to find an organization that will encourage them, train them, and coach them in moving out of their comfort zone and trying something. I, I actually wrote this statement recently that's uh, kind of an homage to a Professor Hari Han at Johns Hopkins. Most organizations relationship with their volunteers is transactional. Here's a petition to sign, signature affix, transaction complete. But that doesn't inspire people to stick around and get involved. A much more powerful relationship is between an organization and the volunteer is transformational, where the volunteer 
sees themselves in a new light. We're out of, as a result of the interaction with the organization, the volunteer sees themselves as a community leader. And that only happens when I am coached and encouraged to move out of my comfort zone, very comfortable here, I'm not a community leader, I couldn't do that, so that I do try that and I move over to where that magic happens. And I write that first letter to the editor. I go to that meeting with the member of Congress. I speak to the Rotary Club. I, whatever it is that, that, um, that, that uh, has me see myself in a new light, but I need to find the results is Citizens Climate Lobby, Catholic Relief Services, uh, American Promise, Quaker Lobby, FCNL, Friends Committee on National Legislation that create these structures of a monthly conference call, forming chapters, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that, that is powerful advice. And so as you be, as you join one of these organizations, you would begin to see how they work and that they work, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, Sam, thank you so much for taking the time to come talk to us again. I'm so grateful. You know, your insights are profoundly important. And as we talk about superpowers and developing superpowers for good to change the world, um, this is a, a unique and incredibly powerful superpower. So thank you. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers4good.com. Don't forget, get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer.